What's up, everyone? This is Boom Bostic speaking. Thank you for joining us for another exciting interview on No Doubter. In this episode, we interview a diehard Dodgers fan named Scott Jarvis, who is the lead pastor of Garden Ridge Church of Christ in Louisville, Texas. My wife grew up going to this church, and it was through her where I first met Scott. When my wife and I got engaged, it was Scott who provided us premarital counseling and also officiated our wedding back in 2015. I've slowly gotten to know Scott more and more ever since, and eventually, I learned that he spent most of his childhood in Los Angeles, California, and was a huge Dodgers fan. His fandom piqued my interest, so I was eager to have him on the show. When Travis and I sat down and talked with Scott, we were fascinated to hear of his experience growing up in the glory days of California baseball, where Los Angeles residents were entertained by a consistent Dodgers lineup and the legendary vocal prowess of Vin Scully and Jerry Doggett. We took a trip down memory lane to a time where baseball was truly popular in America and prominent in its culture. It actually made Travis and I kind of jealous to hear the passion in Scott's voice, the way he effortlessly spewed story after story about his relationship with the Dodgers and how rich their history and culture is. In this interview, we also hear from Scott's experiences going to a vast amount of baseball's greatest stadiums and landmarks, from Fenway Park, Wrigley Field, Yankee Stadium, Cooperstown itself, and many more awesome venues. We spend the tail end of the interview, as we usually do, by reflecting on baseball's current state. And believe it or not, we actually address the Astros cheating scandal from Scott's perspective. Being a Dodger fan, his take on the situation, well, we know you're going to get a quite a kick out of it. <laughs> there are so many generational fans of all the MLB teams. And it was so great to chat with Scott and tap into the enduring legacy of the Los Angeles Dodgers. We thoroughly enjoyed this conversation, and we know y'all will as well. Without further ado, it's our pleasure to present to you our interview with the one and only Scott Jarvis. Scott Jarvis, welcome to No Doubter. It's so good to see you. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, te- um, do, do you consider yourself a, a, a fan of podcasts, Scott? I listen to a few, but uh, I, time-wise, I don't have a lot of time for it, so it gets difficult, but, but I enjoy them when I do. Oh, yeah. Is this the first podcast you've ever been on? It's uh yeah, it is the first one I've spoken on. It's uh There you go. There's a first time for everything. And what that's better right. opportunity to be on than to talk about baseball? We know that's something you enjoy. We enjoy too. We wanted you on. No, you're an avid Dodgers fan, so let's just unpack that a bit. Uh, um and for most of our interviews, we like to start at the beginning. So, Scott, 
let's rewind back. Um, how were you kind of first introduced to the sport of baseball? Okay, well, I was, uh, I guess, about six or seven when I first got interested in baseball. I lived in Pennsylvania, and the Baltimore Orioles were fantastic at that time. It was uh, 1969, and okay. you had a stacked Baltimore Orioles team. And, and since I lived right by there, it got my attention. Well, the next <laughs> year, we, we moved to California. And when we moved to California, I, it didn't take me long to become a Dodger fan. And so uh, I've been a Dodger fan ever since. So you grew up in Pennsylvania, but you were an Orioles fan. So I'm guessing as opposed to the Phillies or the Pirates, you were, this is probably more along like South Central Pennsylvania, closer to the Maryland borderline, like kind of where the two states meet in that area. Not too far. I, yeah, I was in central, south central. Yeah, that would that would work. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how else to describe Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so so growing up in Pennsylvania, ultim- um, the Northeast is an area that I'm not too familiar with. But you know, you got all the states that are close together. Is there a particular reason why you gravitated towards the Orioles specifically? Well, I just happened to hit that age where I took notice of it at the time that, like I said, that the Orioles were, they were just loaded with incredible players, you know, Brooks Robinson, Boot Powell, Mike Quare, Jim Palmer as part of the pitching staff. I just, just an incredible uh, baseball team. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so because I, I got interested in baseball at that age, they just happened to be on top and they were close by. There were other fans, there so so that made it very easy that's awesome so is this something that uh, uh your your parents were interested as well like when y'all were living up there not near like i have <laughs> they, yes they, uh, so, yeah wow so so so, so normally We've heard several stories of baseball fandom being passed from father to son um, and, or from parent to child, but it's sounding like you are taking an interest um, also on your self-volition. Or is, I mean... How, I mean, how does that work? Do you just cat... Are you, were you watching them on TV, on the radio, reading in the paper? I mean, were, were they yeah, just was, compelling because they were winning yeah. a lot? Some of all of that, uh, you know, seeing them on TV, uh, certainly as they played in the playoffs and, and World Series, right, that uh, that brought that on. And, and so, uh, you know, my parents, my parents were OK with sports, but they weren't they weren't avid sports fans in really most any any sport. So but I I grew up loving all sports. So uh, but I really gravitated towards baseball. I, I just love the strategy in baseball. Nice. So you moved from Pennsylvania to California in 1969, correct? Yeah, 1970. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you moved in 1970. And how old were you when you moved? I was seven, almost eight. Seven, almost eight. And so as you're... Was so, this, I was going to ask, was yeah, this to ahead. the Los Angeles area that you right. moved to, presumably? Yes. Okay. Yeah, a suburb of LA. That's right. 
Okay, Pretty nice. Cool. So, yeah. So before but before we go to the LA side of things, um, you were seven and eight around 1970. The Baltimore Orioles won the World Series in 1966 and 1970, the year that you moved. They end up making the World Series in 69 and 71. So, I mean, just as you described, they won in 70, lost in 69, lost in 71. But, I mean, the... The 1966 World Series, do you remember that year, or was it, or do you I, remember I the 1971? I, I was three and a half at that time, so. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so so uh, Yo, I don't yeah, remember that one, but. Yeah, what about the 1970 World Series? Is I, that vivid I, for you? Oh, yes, very much so. And then when we moved to California, just coincidentally, we moved like a block away from Jim Palmer's aunt and uncle, and oh, uh, so. So I had opportunity to meet him, and and uh, that was just really cool. So, oh my gosh, that's awesome! Yeah, so yeah. so so you moved to a suburb of L.A., much like the Dodgers moved from Brooklyn to L.A. You follow the same track just a few years later, and. So you're in an L.A. I'm sure it's harder to keep up with the Orioles, and you say that it didn't take a long time to. To, to become a Dodger fan. Now, the Dodgers, they won a few World Series. In the, they won it in 55 when they were the Brooklyn Dodgers. They won in 59, 63, and 65 when they moved to L.A. And so th- th- this is around the time when you're before getting into baseball. But you, but you, you, you talk about them about it, it easy to be a fan um were they making a lot of playoff runs that they had a star-studded lineup uh, uh go into more detail on that so so when i was a kid and i got interested in the dodgers baseball was set up a whole lot different the uh braves and the reds and the astros and the <laughs> oh. dodgers and the padres were all in the same division and, oh, and wow. so uh so the big red machine that was in the 70s, right? And the Dodgers yeah. were they were rivals, huge rivals. And then of course the Astros had their years where they were really good during the 70s and uh and so you had this great rivalry between and, and sometimes the Braves they came on a little later. They were pretty bad in the 70s, but they came on a little later <laughs> and then and then got and then got good. So so uh but but the Dodgers during the seventies, they had uh, well, they had an infield that played together more years than any other infield, you know, a combined set infield. And uh, so, so you had Steve Garvey on first, and Davey Lopes on second, and Bill Russell at shortstop, and Ron Say at third base, and they played together for years. And wow. so, and, and that was during the time that I was getting interested in all of that. And it just became very easy because it was the same players every year and they were good. And there was a great rivalry between them and the Reds. And and so it just became very easy to become a fan of them. Oh yeah. When, when players stay with teams, even though they're not obligated to, it, it makes it easier to root for them because given the birth of free agency, they're able to leave and get, and, and, and get their money. And but it's those players that stick around, those familiar faces that help us draw uh, 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 to uh, to teams. So at this point, you're you, you're past the age of seven. You're now jumping on the Dodgers bandwagon. At any point, did you ever play baseball at any organized level growing up? I played little league when I was young, but uh, but when we moved to California, the my parents just didn't have time for me to be involved in that. So. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so I played other sports, but 
Um, and and we, I played a ton of, there was a park across the street from us, and so I would go play baseball all the time in the park, but but I wasn't part of an organized team or anything. It was just pickup games and, and that type of thing. Okay, yeah. Uh, awesome. So... So you moved to LA, um, uh, and you're you're becoming a fan of the Dodgers. Um, would you and your Would you and your family go to games a lot? We went to some. We couldn't afford a whole lot, but uh, and uh, you know the Dodgers were a little more pricey at that time because they were actually good. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah. Whereas the Angels were there, and they were terrible. And so, uh, uh, so, and we lived closer to the. There were California Angels then, and we lived closer to their stadium. So I saw many more Angel games than Dodger games. But but I listened to out of 162 games a year, I probably listened to 160 at least uh, during the year. And uh, and this was in a time where um, you didn't have you didn't have all the TV station stuff. I basically I had my transistor radio and <laughs> I had I had Vin Scully and Jerry Doglett every night in my bedroom uh, oh. giving me the play by play and uh, and I would just follow along with that and then keep the stats I would keep constant stats and of course this was before computers so it was all having to do the math but I could tell you the current ERA the current batting average <laughs> oh, after, after a batter finished batting I could tell you what his batting average was I, 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 that was just my passion for keeping up with the team oh my gosh uh, nowadays we go onto this thing called the internet and it does it all for us but you're old school the ra- the radio is so t- transformative to baseball it's really what uh, helped develop the Cardinals base they were the furthest team west for the longest time and Cardinals Nation that's why they have such a huge base because they picked them up on the radio and you're still in the, the heyday where the television is not as prevalent then the, the radio if if you watch Ken Burns' baseball documentary, the radio is a huge component to, to baseball history and how um, people gravitated towards it. But that's just fascinating. So when you're listening to it and you're keeping track of stats, are you – because it's possible to keep score of the game where if it flies out to the number seven, which is uh, which is the left field, it's F7. Are, are you doing that while you're listening to it? I did some of that, but I also I would well now I'm going to show more of my age. But there was a game <laughs> there was a game called Stratomatic Baseball, and uh, and I would use the Dodger players and play while I was listening to the game. I would be I would be using their stats in order to play this uh, this baseball game that was all based on statistics, kind of like fantasy uh, baseball is now. But this was before there were fantasy baseball leagues. And uh, you would make up teams. You could pull players from whatever. But I would always use the Dodgers against an all-star team of other other teams, and uh, you know, and just play this game. But it was like I said, it was a lot like fantasy baseball. Oh my gosh, Statomatic. Uh, uh, Stratomatic was what it was called. Stratomatic. Yeah, man. Uh, have you ever heard of a game called Opbaw? I have not. Uh, that that is a that is a, a a baseball dice game that a friend of mine who's actually our age he was born in 1992 but he played this dice game that was came came around in the 60s so it's very interesting to hear Stratomatic and Opbob are hearing these old school games that people have <laughs> used to play and to just get interconnected with baseball and that's that's fascinating Scott wow that's that's awesome that you were able to 
to keep up with it. So you went to see the Angels a lot. Did you ever go to Dodger Stadium growing up? Yeah, we did. We went, I would say, on an average once or twice a year. Um, we couldn't afford to go any more than that. But uh, but I would say on an average about once or twice a year. Nice. Uh, I mean, uh, hey, once or twice a year, that's not bad at all. I mean, I'm lucky if I can go to a game period once or twice a year because of ticket prices. But the fact that you were able to go there and... It's so weird at the time. This was built in 1962, Dodger Stadium. And it's funny to think of it all these years later. It's now the third oldest stadium in currently in it, you know, in commission. You got Wrigley and Fenway all the way over 100 years old, a huge gap, Dodgers Stadium. And still standing, the largest MLB capacity stadium to this day. And then. All the other teams just tearing down and moving, plowing ahead. But you still got Dodger Stadium. Talk, uh, talk to us about Dodger Stadium. Um, what makes it so special? Oh, it, it, well, first of all, it's beautiful, right? You, you're sitting in the stadium and and you've got the mountains right there, and and <sighs> uh, you know, and just the openness of the stadium and and how you can see all of that in the background. And it's it's just it's really set in Chavez Ravine. It's it's just a it's just a beautiful place, and they have maintained that stadium so well. We went and toured it. Uh, was it last year or year before last? But we we like to go tour baseball stadiums wherever we go, and and nice. uh, so so we went. They'd done a lot of renovations to Dodger Stadium, so we decided to go and take a tour of it. And it, it's just amazing how they have kept that stadium looking pretty much the same and yet renovating it in a way that it has the modern features that you find at other other stadiums and and so uh, it's really really a classic stadium uh it's on our bucket list for sure <laughs> man that's awesome so uh, as you're getting into your preteen years um you know into your teenage years spending the rest of your childhood in the LA area it, it's it, it's clear that uh, you know you're keeping up with the game at, at a pretty intense level is it was there one player in particular that you consider that you were the biggest fan of uh, just it, it, growing up? Uh, well, Steve Garvey ranks up there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he just uh, he had such a such a great image and was a really good player and and played for years and years. Uh, so so he's he's one player that I would say I uh, I, I just. The whole team just functions so well together, and and really, to be honest, the manager made a huge difference too, because that was Tommy Lasorda's heyday, mm, and yeah. uh, and he was such a character, and, and so so sold out to Dodger Blue um, that uh, that that made it very easy, and then and then to have Vin Scully and Jerry Doggett, who for years were the same voice, you know, for oh, for yeah. such a long time, all my childhood, you know, and I mean, he just, he just retired, what, two years ago? So, uh, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, and, and, you know, just to have that consistency and you know, every night, the same voices, same kind of, same kind of play by play stuff. And it just so consistent. It was just, it was, it was cool. That's so special to just, you have Lasorda, you have Vin Scully, one of the most iconic voices in baseball. It's just, that truly was a, a privilege to be able to hear from them night in and night out. And something that I can only, I can only th- a dream of as, as not having experienced that. So that's awesome. Um, 
so you spend the second half of your childhood in L.A. all the way into adulthood? Yeah, I, I stayed in L.A. until I was 20. And um, so uh, that's and then I moved to Texas to go to college. And I've been Texas, New Mexico ever since. So there you go. Uh, you had to uh, just just move it all over the place. East Coast, West Coast in the middle. Yep. You've seen a lot. Um so uh, growing up, uh, just before you moved to L.A., you know, going to seeing the Orioles and now, were there any memorable games that you've ever been to? Well, OK, so last this last year, I was at the World Series for the game, oh, the, okay. the, the game four where, uh, you know, right at the end of the game, you had two errors, and uh, Will Smith <laughs> was supposed to catch the ball, and Randy Arena tripped and fell, and I mean, and then wound up scoring. We were at that game of the oh, World Series, my and, gosh. and uh, so that was that was awesome uh, to oh, be able to, to have them here at the World Series, right? Because <laughs> neutral cause I didn't, sites. I didn't imagine <laughs> I'd ever get to go to a World Series game, but for them to be in Texas and uh, us to get to see that, that was that was way cool. Oh man! So before I go into more detail on that, so no, no other uh, crazy game even comes close to that World Series game for you. Well, I mean, now I wasn't at this game, but of course, when Kurt Gibson hit the home run in the oh, World Series against man. the A's, right? I mean, yeah. that's a that's a classic moment that lives forever. So uh, you know, just to just to see the reaction of LA, that area, right when when that took place, because nobody picked LA to win the World Series. I mean, wow. the, the A's were far and above the better team, and how the how the Dodgers even got to the World Series that year because they were so <laughs> hurt. They were, I mean, they were running on band aids and, and uh, ace <laughs> bandages, and and uh, and then to wind up winning it was just amazing. So man. Uh, so, yeah, so this is 1988, correct? When they beat yes. the A's, right? Man, yeah. So they won against the A's in '88, and they won against the New York Yankees in 1981. So I mean, you so you finally get to see your team win after you become um, a fan of them. And so I know I we're, we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but that 1988 World Series, watching that Kirk Gibson homer, it's it's infamous. Right there, and they end up beating them four games to one. So yeah. it really wasn't close, man. Yeah. yeah. So um, I I was gonna ask this later, but you went ahead and brought it up. Uh, okay. You, 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 so 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 you, you finally uh, get to see an actual World Series game in 2020. You're one of the first couple of thousand people to ever go into Globe Life Field. You see. Your team, the Dodgers, play on a neutral site in a game that the the Rays walked off one the Dodgers, right? Right, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you know, just talk to us about that experience, seeing a game to a reduced crowd. I mean, was it still was it still just energetic, or was it kind of dissipated? It was. Well, I, I could imagine that if it was at. Dodger Stadium, right? That the place would have just been rocking, and and of course, to be in Texas, you didn't have near that same level. But it was more of a home game for the Dodgers than it was for the oh, Rays. Man. I mean, fan base wise, it was probably at least five to one 
Uh, wow. Dodger fans versus Rays fans, maybe more than that, maybe seven or eight to one. Because I mean, there were Dodger fans everywhere. That doesn't for, surprise for, me. I mean, California people are moving out there, especially in like the Southern California area around <laughs> Los Angeles, left and right, uh, out to Texas. Right. So, yeah. and I mean, the, the Dodgers too. I think they're one of the. They, I think we know they are one of the uh, top five most historical organizations within Major League Baseball. And so there was, if you could score tickets to that series, there was the novelty of it. And it's like, Hey, uh, get, get your foot in the door is one of the first people to ever go in the global life field to see a game. So, uh, I, I imagine it was a pretty popular ticket among, uh, among Dodgers fans. So it was, yeah, and it was a great experience. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to jump on that. You live in the DFW. They're playing at Globe Life Field by just some magical ruling by MLB. Cause it's, I guess it's a brand new stadium. And I mean, you had you jumped on it and you did. You saw your team lose that game in particular, but they did end up winning. Uh, yeah. They 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 broke the drought. It was the first time they won since '88. And man, it's uh, so so so. You've seen them win a couple times, albeit a big gap in between. In between, but uh, that was awesome. Um, uh, going back a little bit, um, you. You you touched on this earlier. You said that you like to go to baseball stadiums on your travels. What all stadiums have you been to? Well, let's see. <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> um, so in my office, I have a series of baseballs that either are signed by different players or that I have gotten at different stadiums or or one Alex Cora threw to me at, uh, <sighs> at I was at I was at a Dodger game at at Coors Field in Colorado and they were warming up and Alex Cora made this fantastic catch during warmups. And I was like, way to go. And he turned around and he pointed at me and he threw the ball oh and it, it hit down under the fence. I couldn't reach down far enough to get it. And it hit. And I was like, Oh, bummer, man. Well, about two minutes later, I hear this, Hey, and I look down and he's standing right there and he throws the ball up to oh me. Oh my gosh. And, uh, so, so I have that ball in my office and, uh, and <laughs> several, several others. And then my daughter, whenever she travels, she always gets a baseball from wherever it is. So like if she goes to Japan, she'll find a baseball with a J- Japanese baseball team and bring me, you know, a baseball or just depends on where she goes. And if she can find a baseball, she always brings me a baseball. <laughs> So. Oh man, that's awesome! So you talk about uh, seeing that game in Coors Field. Um, I remember you telling me about a trip that you took to Bush Stadium. Um, yes. Talk to uh, talk to us about that trip and 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 how that went. Okay, so uh, yeah, so Bush Stadium is one that we've toured, uh, Fenway Park. Uh, anyway, but Bush Stadium. I was so impressed with uh, they have their own Hall of Fame. Basically, wow. we had just been to, we had just been to Cooperstown and saw the Baseball Hall of Fame. And mm-hmm. on our way home, we stopped in St. Louis and toured Bush Stadium. And they have their own St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame, and it is as impressive as Cooperstown for all of baseball. The stuff they have there for their St. Louis team is phenomenal. Uh, they have places where you can try on the World Series rings. They have bats from players from all generations, and you can stand at a at a home plate and take a picture holding one of the players' bats uh, with their bat. They have all kinds of gloves you can try on. I mean, just 
and and I was so impressed. Now it was all cardinal stuff, so I was like, yeah, whatever. But but uh, <laughs> but it was, was really the, impressive. Is this the new Bush Stadium or is this the old one? This is the new one. Yeah. Okay, the new one. Yeah, I've heard St. Louis is just an absolutely fantastic baseball town. Like no matter what yeah. team you're you're a fan of, like even if you're a Cubs fan and you go and see a game at uh, at Bush Stadium, that 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 environment is the pride and joy of people that live in St. Louis. Uh, yeah. It's just yeah. like they it is an absolutely like even just every regular season game, it's just it's an event, it's a get together, it's just a time of happiness and people enjoying the game of baseball and that you, yeah, you go into the stadium as a visiting fan and you're welcomed with open arms. People aren't rude at you. There's no sort of shenanigans that go down. It's just like a wholesome baseball experience, very much like Midwestern hospitality that you get there. And the, yeah, you see they, they're obviously very proud of their, uh, their history. And I, I know for yeah. sure, uh, Bush stadium is a, uh, is up there on my list for sure. Of, uh, one, I would highly recommend to go it. see a game there. Yeah. Oh I yeah. Recommend it. Oh yeah. Uh, the Cardinals attendance is, it, it, it is remarkable. It's consistently in the, in the, in the top five. And when compared to state cities like New York and LA, which are huge, St. Louis, not nearly as big. And yet it's in the top five in attendance because their fans are just that diehard insane. Uh, so, um, you casually dropped that you went to Cooperstown and you say that the Bush stadium was as impressive, but talk to us about Cooperstown. Well, it's, it's, it's really well done. Really well done. Just, uh, I mean, we were there, I'm not sure how many hours we were there. We were there several hours, but there's no way you could go through all of that. And, <laughs> and you, you need days in order to really be able oh, to plow through. But but it, it was very impressive. There's all kinds of displays and interactive kinds of things. And uh, one of the cool things is they have a thing there where you can you can take your picture and it makes a baseball card with you. Uh, you know, your picture as the baseball card. And I just happened to be wearing one of my Dodger jerseys. So my baseball <laughs> card looked pretty good because I there was in jersey go. and everything. So. Oh, man. That, <laughs> man, that is so cool. So now instead of doing a weekend, I'm just going to book a week. there. And, and, yeah, yeah. And so I can get the full experience there. So while you're up in New York, you know, you're a Dodger fan. Did you happen to swing by Ebbets Field? Well, we didn't we didn't get by Evans Field, but we did go by Yankee Stadium and, uh, toured, <laughs> and toured it. So uh, yeah, Evans uh, Field. I was I was just in New York City a few weeks ago. Uh, my cousin lives up there. He just got married, and so took a uh, took a day trip over to Brooklyn. And uh, Evans Field in itself no longer stands. There's not yep, there's right. not really even like a formal kind of memorial or museum like in that that area kind of around it. Uh how it and now is a big uh housing project tower, like a big apartment tower uh that I believe is uh is uh is public low income housing. And <laughs> but you go uh you walk down one of the streets uh that runs along it there and then you look through the fence and like at the parking lot there there is along one of the walls of it a Ebbetsfield sign there like kind of lettering out spelling it and it kind of identifies um where it is there so i think in a, i mean it seems like that's very authentically new york new york it's a city with a ton of history and there's not a lot of space there so it's like hey when something goes down something goes up in its space <laughs> uh but i think that's still it just it's very cool and it has you walk around that area of brooklyn and it's like you it's a very working class gritty blue collar type part of new york city uh that that metro area 
and you walk around, it's like, okay, I feel the authenticity of what this team stood for in its history, even without there being much more of a marker of their history in this area. Yeah, it's just, so probably not worth making going out of your way to see it. I mean, if you're going to see a stadium, I mean, Yankee Stadium is an actual stadium, so you got to see that. And uh, you also casually dropped that you went to Fenway. Uh, talk to us about that experience. Yeah, Fenway Park is another bucket list. It's, uh, you know, obviously it's an icon. And uh, and so to be able to tour the stadium and, uh, you know, sit up on the green monster and, you know, oh, just man. all that, just wonderful. <laughs> really, really cool. Yeah. What would you say, I mean, besides Dodger Stadium, what would you say your favorite stadium is that you've ever been to? Uh, man, I, I like them all. You know, I, uh, we've, we've been, okay. So this is funny. We, we went to Chicago and we decided we were going to go both to see the Cubs and the White Sox play while we were there. And so we got tickets, we got tickets for the Cubs and their tickets were much more pricey than the White Sox. (laughs) And, uh, so we, we ride the subway to the Cubs game and everybody on the subway is wearing a Cubs jersey and we get off and I mean just massive crowd and and uh, we wind up showing up at the stadium and sadly we had purchased tickets for the night before and we missed our game and so so we were like oh we're here what are we gonna do so we just went to the ticket box office and purchased new tickets we paid twice uh, to go <laughs> to go see uh, the game while we were there but uh, it was so worth it and then yeah. but the next the next night we went to see uh, went to see the White Sox and we rode the subway nobody is in a White Sox <laughs> right? you get off and, oh, and it was almost empty right I mean you could get seats so cheap oh. and, uh, so of course this year this year is probably a little different because the yeah, White yeah, Sox yeah. are playing, playing pretty well but this oh, was about yeah. two, two or three years ago and, and uh, just the, the difference was so stark it was incredible oh so, man but we had a great time going to both Oh man. So so automatically you've been to the t- two oldest stadiums currently in commission, Wrigley Field and Fenway Park. A lot of a lot of gap in between. You talk about going to Coors Field, Bush Stadium, Dodger Stadium, obviously Globe Life Park and the new Globe Life Field. Are there any other stadiums that uh that I've missed? Let's see. I, well, I've been I've been down to San Diego and seen seen the Padres. Nice. And I've been to uh, I've been to the uh, old Phillies uh, Veterans Stadium, <laughs> right? Ooh, the old wow. stadium, and and to the old Yankee Stadium, right? Oh, before, wow. uh, so uh, so yeah, age age has some privilege. <laughs> There you go. You you went to the house that Ruth built, man, and and you went to the you actually got to go in the new Yankee Stadium, correct? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, are there a lot of similarities between the two Yankee stadiums? They they did a really good job of bringing that history over. I mean, obviously you don't have the monuments in center field or or that kind of thing. They have the monuments, but they're not right in the middle of the field like like the old <laughs> old Yankee Stadium was, right? But uh, but they they did a they've done a really good job of bringing that history into the new stadium. And uh, there's all kinds of of displays and and things at the stadium. Uh, I would recommend touring the stadium because there's just so much there that you can see behind the scenes. 
Oh yeah, this is just so many, so many stadiums to see. We're, I mean, we got our whole lives ahead of us, you know, and we're just gonna try our best uh, to, you know, plan them into into our trips. So it seems pretty apparent that no matter which way you go, I mean, this is gonna be a priority. Um, how does your wife feel about incorporating? baseball stadiums into your travels is she on board with it does she consider herself a big fan i mean talked about it from her perspective (laughs) so her perspective is she she does not like to watch baseball on tv that just drives her crazy but to go in person (laughs) she loves it she in (laughs) fact here i'll just tell a story on her just this just a few months ago i was like just pick a place you want to go eat honey i'll take you to out to eat tonight so just pick a place and so she calls me that afternoon. She goes, all right, I picked a place. I want some garlic fries at, uh, at Globe Life Park. So this is, I'm married so well that when I give oh, my yeah. wife an opportunity to pick any place she wants to go eat, she wants to go watch a, a ball game and eat garlic fries. So, so uh, good job. Good job. There you go. That, that's how you do it. Baseball Live is so much better than on the TV. It's... The atmosphere itself is just it, it it's awesome. It's family friendly. There's just something beautiful about it. And I you you've seen all these parks. It's just so awesome that the dimensions aren't the same. You've seen the right. Green Monster, you've seen and of course Fenway itself, you got shallow right and you know, you know with the low wall. It's it's just awesome that they're all so different and Man, really, really inspiring that you've taken the time to do that. Um, so you move to tech to Texas after you spent twenty at, at age twenty to go to college. Right, right. Uh huh. So, and you say that you mo- lived in New Mexico for for a time. Uh, how did that work? You go from L.A. to Texas, and then to New Mexico, and then back to Texas. Right. Yeah, we mm-hmm. went. Uh, I, I I did my undergrad at in Lubbock, and then and then my first full time job was in Abilene. Okay. But then my next job was in New Mexico, and and so for twelve and a half years we worked in New Mexico. And wow. uh, My wife's from New Mexico, so we visit hey. there all the time anyway. But yeah. uh, so, but then and then we moved here fourteen years ago, and I've been pastor in the same church for the last fourteen years. Awesome. So, uh, um, uh, I know that, you know, the Dodgers are your one team, but, uh, um, have you kind of been grown to, uh, pay attention to the Rangers? Do you consider them, uh, your second favorite team? Maybe third. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I do pay attention to them. In fact, my favorites are marked the Dodgers, then the Angels, and then the Rangers. Um, so I do pay attention to them. Sadly, this year, there's not a lot to pay attention to. It's, but, it is quite difficult to give a lot of attention and energy to the Rangers right now. <laughs> I was just, uh, yeah, I was at the, I saw the, uh, the Rangers and the Angels play last week with some friends, and it looked like a game between the bottom two teams in the division. It was <laughs> it was pretty rough. I enjoy more of the experience of hanging with my friends, chatting it up, uh, and making sure I didn't get hit by a line drive more than the <laughs> more than the uh, on the field baseball product. When uh, when Deanne wanted to go to the ball game for dinner. Uh, we got to see the. We did get to see the Rangers beat the Yankees. That was sweet. 
Oh, yeah. It's always good to beat them. Of course, they're in the American League, so they're going to face each other every once in a while. So, but man, so you grow up initially liking the Orioles. You go to L.A., and but you describe it as Dodgers, Angels, and then the Rangers. So the Orioles, they've just kind of fallen off. I mean, <laughs> your fandom there? <laughs> well, yeah, basically. I mean, I got so ingrained with the Dodgers that, uh, you know, and, and until I moved to Texas, the Rangers weren't even on the radar. So uh. there you go, man. So you talk about listening to 150 out of 162 games back when you were growing up. Um, does your do you still keep up with the, the, the Dodgers pretty heavily? Watch them every chance you can get nowadays. I still catch at least 150 games a year. <laughs> Man, it, it hasn't which stopped. Is, <laughs> it's difficult because they're on the West Coast, which means sometimes their games don't end till 1 or 2 in the morning. But, uh, but I, I, I catch almost every game. And by catch, should we be talking about by TV or radio? Yeah, all MLB TV. Okay, all right. Let's see. Yeah, that's that's the uh, I have that part of my AT and T TV subscription. So that's the way to ultimately kind of catch little pieces of everything when you've got those big teams like the Dodgers, of course. <laughs> yeah, and with and with that, the blackouts don't apply to you because you're not in the local area. So the only the only games I can't see is when they play the Astros. I haven't figured out why we're in the market for the Astros. Uh, that's the only games I can't see on TV. Oh uh, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Speaking of Astros, I mean, you kind of, you know, it's a, it's a good segue to what I want to talk about. So we've spoken to Astros fans. We've interviewed Red Sox fans and Rangers fans, but you being a Dodger fan, it, it's, it's very, it adds to our diversity. Um, you, you say that you can't watch when the Dodgers play the Astros, but of course I'm sure you probably would want to because oh, as sure. of recent, the Dodgers and Astros don't have a good history. You're very well aware that the article came out, the Astros uh, used sign stealing um, to, they, they cheated uh, prevalently in the year 2017 in the year where they beat your Los Angeles Dodgers in a seven-game series. And, you know, pay no attention to the fact that I consider myself an Astros fan. I advise, I invite you to be as candid as you want. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the Astros sign-stealing scandal? <laughs> okay, let me put it this way. <laughs> if I buy a bag of M&Ms, I eat all the orange ones first because the Astros are cheaters and need to die. <laughs> wow and all the blue ones all the blue ones are last so uh, it drives my wife crazy she's like seriously i can't eat any blue ones <laughs> Barrett, please wow. make that the teaser clip for our uh for there this you go yeah oh yeah oh yeah for sure man yeah so yeah i mean they use the sign ceiling scheme. We talk about it in an episode of four of our podcasts. You know, they. Now I will the say this. Yeah. To be fair, I think all teams have had some sort of sign stealing. I mean, I, I you know, my only issue with the Astros was the way that uh, the way that when it all came out, there really wasn't. It didn't appear to me, at least as a Dodger fan, it didn't appear there was a lot of remorse. It it was more like okay, so we did it. It's done. Move on. And uh, so 
I think it's funny to watch the two uh, fan bases, whether it's in Houston or L.A. when a game's played. It's funny to see how those fan bases react towards things. But uh, personally, I I mean, it is what it is. I They're not the only team that has stolen signs or found a way to have a leg up on things. So, so I don't lose a lot of sleep over it. Well, that's good that you're able to move on in a sense. Uh, more information is coming out that sign stealing was kind of a, an arms race, uh, especially during that time period. You have teams that have access to live feed of the game. It's not delayed. It's live feed. And they're pushing the envelope, pushing it, pushing it, pushing it. And they were able to get away with it. We all lived in ignorance for two years. It wasn't until Mike Fires, a former pitcher for the Astros, blew the whistle because pe- pitchers were losing their jobs because they were getting blown out by the Astros. So I commend him for doing that. And, you know, that that fallout was absolutely abysmal. The PR from the Astros was uh, was horrible. It was so, so bad. They had a press conference in 2020, and it was so horrible. No remorse, no nothing. And even if you kind of know that other teams are doing it, you still need to act you know, like, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the words, but yeah, but you need to act with some sort of remorse because it is cheating. It's against the rules. I wanted to see them come out and address the kids that look up to them and say, Hey, listen, I know you all look up to us, but this is not how you play the game. We screwed up something like that. It would have, do you think if they would have done anything like that, do you think it would have gone a long way from you, a Dodgers fan? I I think so. I I mean I can't obviously can't speak for the whole fan base, but but uh, you know again, people are pretty forgiving when somebody admits you know okay so yes I did this. It's when it's when they try to sweep it under the rug or or act like it wasn't any big deal, and it was pretty big deal. I mean I, I would say if I was a Yankees fan, I might be just as upset as a Dodgers fan because. Because I didn't even get to go to the World Series if I'm a Yankees fan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's in 2017. And then Altuve hits that walk-off off of them in 2019. I was personally at that game, and I saw that happen. Of course, we were still in ignorance at that point. But, yeah, it's... Golly. So, yeah, I don't blame you there. Um, But, no, I mean, it, it, it is what it is, and... The fact is, is that the Dodgers are still stacked. Um, nowadays, they're pretty much the best. They're one of the best teams on paper ever constructed in in baseball history. And I mean, from top to bottom, they got a big payroll and they flaunt it. They got their farm systems deep. Um you know, early this year, they split the series against uh, uh, the Astros. So we'll see if that's foreshadowing <laughs> for later down the line. That series would be insane. But but this year, um, they get Max Scherzer and Trey Turner. They overwhelmingly win the trade deadline. With that acquisition, how are you feeling about the Dodgers' chances this year? Well... I'm I'm super excited they got Max Scherzer, but I'm even more excited about Trey Turner. I think he is a total game changer, and uh, I for the life of me, I didn't see I didn't see the Nationals getting rid of Trey Turner, but for the Dodgers, it was a stroke of genius because uh, Seager's in his 
contract year and he's going to be pricey and if they can't think work things out with him they've got Turner to slide right it was it was a stroke of genius what they pulled off at the baseball trade deadline and uh man my hat's off to Friedman and and his staff because they they pulled off a great uh trade oh my gosh the to, to get if they got Max Scherzer that alone I mean you could have considered them you know the winner maybe the Yankees outdo them because they get Gallo and Rizzo but to get Turner and I'm glad that you recognize that because we talk about it in our trade deadline recap episode but Trey Turner's a top five shortstop in the league um hands down and to get defensively from pitching and offense I mean man it's just you caught the Nationals at the right time Scherzer wanted to go to a West Coast team because he had the no the trade no trade clause, and then to get Turner, just I just don't know how they pull that off. And but you're in a very contested <laughs> division, and yeah. it would have been more. It would have been just as bad if it was as we all predicted. Padres Dodgers but the Giants have to come in and spoil the party I mean do, I mean do the Dodgers still have a chance to to surpass them or do you think their best chance is the wild card I do not want to see him in the wild card that's that's too <laughs> too risky but I I do believe I mean I know every team has injuries but man the Dodgers have had a lot of injuries and and uh I think if they can you know now Mookie Betts just went on the IL today, so oh, so uh, if if they can if they can get their team together, I do believe they can. But I don't know. The Giants are magical this year. I, you know they've had so many games where ninth inning they're down by four runs and they come back and win, right? And it's like, man, stop it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I mean. Yeah, it's just it makes it more fun for fans because it's a three horse race instead of a two horse race. And but man, the Giants, they're without a doubt. I mean, I think their managers up for manager of the year, in my opinion, because they've been subpar for so long and everything's working for them. They don't really have one standout player, but it's the team pitching bullpen and position players it's man you got your work cut out for you as we're two months out out of the season the dodgers padres games in particular those have been intense playoff like atmospheres and really the padres have been living under the dodgers shadow for the longest time but they got tatis and man it's so la and so describe the california uh, baseball scene for us so we know there's the a's and the and the giants but it, would you say that is the biggest baseball rivalry in california oh i think the dodgers giants is bigger than the a's giants oh man and but uh, Do- but but padres dodgers is that do you do you sense that as a rivalry that's starting to hold water with the dodgers giants yes yeah, certainly uh but the dodgers giants goes all the way back to new york i mean there's just such a long history of rivalry there that uh yes the the rivalry with the padres in the last couple years has been very intense but uh, but the long-standing history is Dodgers and Giants have they I mean f- for so many years the Padres have kind of been you know out of it you know, <laughs> just, 
beaten up all the time by by every team in that division and yeah. uh it's it's great to see them it's great to see them uh have now all these young players and moving forward like that of course i don't ever want to see the dodgers lose the division to them but uh but but it is it's great to see that three horse race that's going on there and really the diamondbacks and the rockies aren't playing horrible either you know, they just—they're just in the wrong division. <laughs> they, can't, they, they can't get the same amount of wins because because they're facing those three-headed monster above them. But uh, but they're playing pretty well too. So it's a, it's a pretty tough division. Oh yeah, NL West. Uh, I'm convinced a team from the NL West is gonna be in the World Series. It's just which one is it gonna be? We'll see. Man. Um, we kind of end off interviews like we've always have, and we talk about the state of Major League Baseball. And it's we like talking about it with all of our interviews because it's interesting to hear from everyone's perspective. We talk about this in Episode 2 of our podcast, but baseball, a sport that we all love, the sport that you love yourself, is declining in popularity. It was once uh, America's past—well, it is America's pastime, but it was once a lot pop- more popular in America. You yourself have seen it. Um, one of the stats that we bring up in the in our episode two is that in the year 1977 um uh this is a year that the yankees beat the dodgers this time in that year 44 million people tuned into the world series you're getting peak viewership around that time baseball is alive it is well you got to see it your firsthand but ever since that late 70s period viewership attendance rates have just been slowly but steadily declining they're at all-time lows and baseball has a uh, have an impossible task of trying to reverse that trend from your perspective what if anything should baseball too to broaden its appeal? Well, I, I will say the last two or three years, they've done a really good job of marketing the young players and the the change of style that they have brought to the game. More celebration, more uh, more emotion, um, you know, and 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 I think that will in in you know, it's going to take. It's not going to turn around in a year or two. But I think that appeal of all these young players who are so good, but are also a face for baseball, a Tatis and a, a, a Vlad Guerrero, and you know, just to see these young guys that have so much talent, and but at the same time so much personality, uh, I think that's a going to be a huge step for for baseball if they continue to market uh, things that way. And I think the older school players. Are seeing they're they're beginning to recognize, you know, if we don't move in this direction, we're not going to have a fan base left. Because when my generation dies, what are you going to have left? So, um, yeah, you know, um, the generation Y, generation Z, millennials—they're the future. And uh, you know, uh, 
you you don't want to sacrifice the integrity of the game. There's still room for people to play their the way they want to play. Now you can take it too far. I mean, but if you want to celebrate, it's I mean it it's good to show passion. Uh, but there's an old school of thought that you shouldn't do that. That there's a lot of unwritten rules in baseball, and it's hard to keep track of. We make fun of it on our show, but it sounds like um, that 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 you're in favor of MLB doing this. I mean, do you, um, do you, do you, do you, do you like watching it yourself? Do you, um, are you all, are you all for it? Do you think that it's getting out of hand? I I don't think it's getting out of hand. I, I mean, obviously there is a respect factor that is there. Somebody that's been in the league for a lot of years to be disrespected by somebody that's been in the league a year or two, that that's not a good scene, but but to find that balance, to have that energy, to have that passion, and to allow that energy and passion to be played out in the midst of the game, I'm all for that. I think I think that that helps liven things up. And uh, you know, I, I want to celebrate when my guy hits a game-winning home run. So <laughs> I want them to celebrate when they hit yeah. a game-winning home run. And, and if I'm the pitcher that gives it up, I mean, yeah, that that hurts, but. I I, I want to celebrate those kinds of things. So so it makes sense to me that you would be moving in a direction that opens the door for more of that. Oh yeah, it's circling all the way back to 1988. I mean, people were getting on to Kirk Gibson for showing emotion for hitting a walk-off home run as he's going towards second. He's doing the fist pump, and people looked down upon that. Uh, they interviewed the pitcher who gave it up later. They had the two of them sit next to each other, and you know, the pitcher was like, "Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't fault him for doing that." And here we are, and. Like you said, the older players are—they're letting it happen. You know, they're—they're they're starting to be more lenient and not, you know, throwing a ball at someone's head the, the next batter they face. There's there are more flipping bats and slamming bats on the ground after home runs, and you know, I think that, like you said, that will reap benefits. Um, we face an interesting situation at the end of this year. The collecting bargaining bargaining agreement is going to have to reach a new deal, and a lot can come of it potentially with a lot of rule changes. One of the p- biggest changes to the game that has been skept- uh, that's been talked about is having a universal DH. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I've always been I've always liked the strategy of NL. You know, not having that and having to figure out what are we going to do with our pitcher, how we're going to do, but but I can see I can see why they would move in that direction and and um, personally I'm okay either way. You know, I either either way you have to you have to figure out strategy for this game no matter what you're handed. So um, and I love the strategy of baseball. The more strategy, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So, uh, but, but I'm okay. If they move to a, a DH in all the leagues, that just means I get to see more of my better hitters on the field hitting. So I can live with that too. Oh yeah. There's, you know, there's pros and cons to, to each it, it, the, the strategy. It, 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 it is pretty cool uh, to witness, but you know, the fact is, is that 
pitchers. Uh, you know, you had Jacob DeGrom who was batting 400 for a good two or three months, but now he's coming down to earth like all pitchers do. Most of the times they're, they try a sack bunt or a sack fly or they swing and miss and it doesn't amount to anything. And, <laughs> Or yeah, you're that like gets Bartolo Colon, and he hit. Uh, he hit I believe it was his first career home ru- home run in a uh, his first ever like actual run as well too, like or like on base hit. Just yeah, it, you don't know what you're gonna get with uh, <laughs> when the uh, when the batter steps up to the plate. Yeah, it's just a handicap at that point. But that's cool to see that you're open to that. Um, what about um, what about expanded playoffs? Yeah, you know, last year was interesting because of COVID and what they wound up doing with the playoffs. I thought it worked. You know, I, I'm I'm not a big fan of a one game wild card. I'm mm. not a fan of that. I, to me, you've worked so hard all season, and then it to come down to one game and any fluky thing can happen in one game. So, uh, so if expanding it means they get away from a one game wild card, I'm all for that because I do not like the one game wild card. Yeah. So it seems like you, this seems like, you know, you've been a fan of the game, you know, you know, for, you know, for a while, but you're, you're, you're open to it making these changes. You got diehards who are very resistant to that. Baseball itself is a sport that is very resistant to change. And part of that is what made it so unique. It's the fact that it hasn't changed 90 feet between the bases, 60 feet, six inches, uh, between home plates and the, you know, and the pitcher's mound, but uh, um, they're gonna fight tooth and nail for that. Uh, we'll see. It lives on. Uh, what about uh, uh, what about moving the mound back? Because pitchers are throwing faster than ever. Uh, you got three true outcomes uh, happening all the time, and there's a school of thought that if you move the mound back, it might give more of an advantage to the hitter. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, the problem with that is then every statistic that has happened beforehand pretty well gets dumped, right? Because it's not <laughs> even the it's not even the same game anymore as far as the the pitching and hitting aspect of it goes. And so, you know, that's part of the old school that I would have a problem with is because now how do I compare generations, um, right? And and so so that would be a struggle for me. The one I've been interested in or that I that I didn't think I would like and it's been okay is putting a runner on second base in extra <laughs> innings. And uh, when they first pr- announced they were going to do that, I thought, that's the dumbest idea I've ever heard. But it's really been exciting and, and I haven't had too much problem with it. So um, it, it certainly puts you right in the heat of it at the moment. So Oh, yeah. The thing about that is a lot of people – are you know upset with that but if you think about it in terms of football um it's like it's the difference between the nfl where they kick it off and you get it and you're on your own 20 as opposed to college football playoffs where you start on the opposing 25 you know it's like you're you're shortening the distance or shortening the the possibility of that now in my opinion I I would be okay with them implementing that. Let's say if you get into the 13th, 14th inning, it's like, okay, we need to get this show on the road. Okay, now we can stick a runner on second, but maybe not in the 10th or the 11th, but anything to shorten these games. I mean, you saw 
the Dodgers lost in 2018, and the one game they won was 18 innings long. <laughs> a two for one. I mean, did you watch the entirety of that game? <laughs> I, I watched the entirety of most every game. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't matter how long it takes. <laughs> so, but but even then, it's just like yeah, it's gotta get the show on the road. So I guess we're just we're just kind of spitballing and we're just trying to find define the extremes. So it seems like there is a, a point where it goes too far. And for you, someone who just cares about stats more, it's a, it's about those stats. The mound has was lowered after 1968, right. um, but. Uh, of course, moving it back, it would potentially impact that. The balls have been juiced in recent. They've been deadened as well. Homers have been record uh, numbers because of juiced balls there. So it's it's hard. They've been they've been changing a lot of stuff up, and um, it's led to uh, pitchers trying to use substances to try to get a better grip on the ball. And this year, they're cracking down on it. They're going full TSA on the pitchers. <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? I, well, I, I'm okay with what they've done to try to implement figuring out where the boundaries are in these things because it was getting out of control. I mean, you know, you could you could almost do anything last year to the baseball and you weren't going to you weren't going to have anything happen to you and the spin rates and all that were just getting crazy it's like juicing the baseball right so many home runs but there's a reason there's so many home runs well same thing with what's been going on in the last couple of years several few years with with spin rates and all of that kind of stuff is if i have an advantage over you because i'm putting a substance on the baseball uh that doesn't seem right to me, so so I'm I'm glad they've cracked down on that. And what's been interesting to me is to see what pitchers have struggled since they've done that. Mm, yeah. Right? I look at a guy like uh, Garrett Cole <laughs> and uh, Rodon. I look at some of these guys, and ever since they started cracking down, man, they have not been near as consistent. And <laughs> and whether they were using substance or not, it sure seems suspicious that. Right when they started cracking down, all of a sudden these guys <laughs> don't have the same consistency. So, uh, uh, so yeah, show me you you use spider tack without telling me you use spider tack. <laughs> that's <laughs> that that's what that is right there, man. Um, so I guess just wrapping things up, um, you know, the NOS is contested. What do you think will ultimately happen? This year, who's going to make it to the World Series from the AL and the NL? Who do you think is ultimately going to win? Well, I I do believe with the acquisitions at trade deadline, the the only real weakness the Dodgers have is bullpen. But mm. I think they even have enough horses in their farm system to to deal with that as well. So uh, you know, Kenley Jansen scares me once in a while, <laughs> but uh, but I do I do believe the depth of the Dodgers is going to overcome, and uh, they're going to wind up winning the division for the ninth year in a row. Nice. And, uh, and and then you know playoffs, a lot of strange things can happen. But again, I think depth, and I, I think the acquisitions the Dodgers have made. They're going to be able to foster, manufacture the runs they need for offense. They they've got the pitching staff to shut things down. So I'm I'm picking them to go go to the World Series. Go to the World Series. Uh, uh, who do you think they're who do you think they'll be facing? 
Yeah, you know, today I would say the Chicago White Sox. I'm oh, I'm man. starting to become more of a believer in the White Sox as of lately. I think they, they, yeah, they, they made some good moves to the trade deadline. They uh they've stayed relatively healthy pretty much uh the entire year. I I've I in our in one of our latest episodes, I have the White Sox and the Astros taking it to seven in the ALCS. Um yeah. I, I Right now, it's a toss-up. You know, I give the edge to the Astros. However, uh, I'm keeping my eye on those socks. The, uh, the the South Side, the party doesn't look like it's going to be ending anytime soon. Well, I, you know, I I have a hard time rooting for the Astros. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. But I do respect their their team is certainly talented. Um, and and Chicago, the White Sox might be a year or two away because they haven't been there before. But uh, but. Boy, they're what they picked up for their bullpen and uh, and a trade deadline and what they already had and now they're getting players back, you know that have been injured. Uh, you know they just got Eloy Jimenez back. They, I, I think, watch out for them because they've already got their division sewn up. They're ten games up and and they've already got that sewn up. So now it's now it's playoffs and they have the pitching staff that they might just be able to do it. Oh man! So White White Sox Dodgers with the Dodgers ultimately winning the whole thing. I guess. I well, hey, can't go against my Dodgers. No, no, oh no, no, you can't. <laughs> well, 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 I'll say if they end up facing the Astros in the ultimate rematch, you can just take a little drive down to Houston to watch the Astros play the Dodgers. The they played the Dodgers played the Astros in LA and in Houston this year. And when they played in Houston, Dodgers Nation was alive and well there. There were several Dodgers yeah. fans there. Again, it's it's just like what you were, we were talking about. Dodgers Nation is a huge fan base. So if you happen to shell out some money and make a trip down there, you wouldn't be alone. Uh right. so but uh, now, of course, you can theoretically go see them no matter who they play. It's just you would just drive down to Houston as opposed to fly to L.A. or or Chicago. But, no, it's they're a good team. It's a good time to be a Dodger fan. They're going to be good for a long time. They got the payroll. They got the farm system. They got good upper-level management. So just enjoy it while you can, Scott. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm enjoying it, yeah. <laughs> uh, and like you said, their farm system—I keep up with it too—and their farm system is still loaded. So they gave up quite a bit to get Scherzer and Turner, but their farm system is still loaded. Oh, that just takes to its death. So, uh, well, man, uh, Scott, uh, this was awesome. I always knew what just from the outside looking in that you're a Dodger fan, but just hearing you talk this past hour—it's really, it's really solidified. Like. My suspicions have been proven correct. Uh, it was so much fun to meet with you and talk about baseball. Just get to know the depth of your fandom of the sports. And man, this was awesome. Thank you for taking the time to join us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. Well, yeah, it was good to see you all. It was good to see you, Scott. I uh, hope you have a good evening. We'll see you around. All right. Thank you very much. See you guys. That concludes our interview with Scott Jarvis. We had a lot of fun and plenty of laughs along the way, and we hope you all enjoyed it as well. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to No Doubter, wherever you're listening to this episode, so you don't miss out on future ones. While you're at it, please leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate it. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Please consider joining our Patreon today. 
and get an even greater level of access to No Doubter and help ensure that we can continue to bring you more of your favorite baseball content. Your support truly means the world to us. Check out our merch store as well, so you can get decked out in all kinds of your favorite No Doubter gear, such as mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, baseball shirts, phone cases, whatever you want. It's all there. All the links to the things that I said are in the description below. And remember, as you're going into your life, no matter what you're doing, be sure to bat 400 and always swing for the fences. Good night, everybody. We'll see you all next time. This episode of No Doubter was produced by Eric Bostick and Travis Lockley and edited by Travis Bostick. Our logo was designed by Lindsay Silverberg.